morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, Man Day 2020, our first uh, Man Day ever, and uh, that was a lot of fun. We did as many manly things as you could do in a day. Uh, in five hours, we ate meat. Amen. Uh, we had men that were there together. We fished 10 minutes per team. Uh, we played paintball 10 shots per team. We uh, shot bow and arrow 10, 10 shots per team. We played trivia, movie trivia, which I'm not very good at. We shot half-court basketball. We split wood. We built fires. One team within 20 seconds built a fire and burned a little rope. Uh, we even listened to a guy sing country music. I mean, just about as many things as you could possibly do in, uh, in one day. But the thing I love the most is that 40 Axis men came together to learn about truth. And we learned about the truth of courage from John Sanchez and character and commitment. Today, I want us to pray as we get started because we all need to understand the importance of of just the Bible, of just truth, of the fact that truth is embodied in God himself, and in particular today because it is under such attack. So would you pray with me today? God, we just give you thanks that you allow us to come together in a place like this. And God, we have freedom to, to open your word and to hear from you. And so God, today we bring with us a lot of different emotions, a lot of different uh, struggles, a lot of different challenges. Some have uh, challenges financially, some have challenges relationally, some have challenges physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so God, when we come together, we come together as a body to remember that, that with everything that happens around us, God, that we are centered on one thing, and that is the, the truth of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that that truth will set us free. And so, God, today, help us to just focus on your word, learn from your scripture, and be able then to duplicate that in our life. We pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been uh, known for years that uh, there are seminaries that teach preachers and pastors that are struggling with this issue of truth. Uh, they deny the reality of the virgin birth, the reality of heaven and hell. It's very popular in Christianity today to question those doctrines. This is an era, era in which truth is really under attack in most every field. It's interesting when we talked to the men yesterday in our, in our small groups of men, that at least in our group, that everybody around the circle acknowledged how difficult it is today to be parents. How difficult it is today to raise children because in just our generation, how much has th have things changed? How much has the media impacted us? How much has social media impacted us? When there are so many different thoughts out there in terms of versions of truth and the fact that Christianity is under attack. And how can you be a parent in the midst of all of that? How do you find your grounding? It's very difficult today. And so many of the men admitted that, that it's hard to guide your family in the midst of that. And friends, this rejection of truth has had some really dramatic consequences. As the Bible says, we are often tossed to and fro by every wave if we're not anchored to something. 
And in the end, the result is a society that struggles with moral and ethical foundations and ultimately the collapse of that society. The psalmist said, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? So we as Christians believe in what's known as absolute truth. We believe the truth is rooted in the very character of God himself, and it is revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is communicated to us clearly in the scriptures. Jesus one time said in John 18, For this reason I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And so we listen to Christ because he embodies the very character of the truth of God. That's where we learn about what truth is all about. But I do want to share with you today three of the benefits of truth, three of the benefits of acknowledging Jesus Christ is the truth. And the first one, and maybe the most obvious, is that when you believe in the truth, it saves you. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, we are saved through a knowledge of the truth. Now, the truth is what often offers us that salvation, the truth of Christ, the truth that Jesus Christ came. But truth saves us in a lot of areas. It saves you in mathematics because it'll save you from a bounced check, maybe, maybe a bankruptcy. The truth in medicine can save you from cancer, proper diagnosis, proper treatment. The truth in engineering can save passengers on an airplane. One deviation from the truth can lead to disaster. And it's critical in sports, too. Slow motion replay can reveal the truth. He indeed did cross that goal line, and the truth will set you free. But there is truth about God, and that's what I want us to read today about the truth of Christ. And this is a very famous verse, John 3.16, and in fact, I want us to read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And now you can do the rest out loud. All right, amen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now, we all know the first part of that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But that second part of the verse is a spiritual truth as well that reminds us that God sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save the world through him. And if we believe in him and in that truth, we are not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. Now, there are a lot of ways to put this, but it is very popular today to talk about things that are opposed to what's in that scripture. But friends, let me just remind you of the spiritual truth. We are not here by evolutionary accident. We are here because an all-powerful God created us. And the truth is that mankind, all of us, we are sinners. We violated God's will for our life. And the Bible says we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. That is not what we want to hear. It's not popular today. But that is a proper diagnosis of our condition. And the truth is that God came into this earth in the form of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. He lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death on the cross, a substitutionary death, a death that you owed and I owed. And it says that he resurrected from the dead to prove that he was God in the flesh. And if we believe in that truth, we will be saved. We will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. That's the truth. 
You remember when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, he had two tablets, the Ten Commandments, under his arms. And when he got to the base of the mountain, he discovered that the Israelites had erected a golden calf, and they were worshiping that calf in revelry. Now, Moses didn't say to the Israelites, I'm glad that you have developed an appreciation for the religion of other cultures. I know that the golden calf represents God to you, and that's okay. As long as you acknowledge that there is a supreme being, you just continue your worship, and I'll just be over here with my tablets. No. Moses knew that that was an affront to God. Moses knew that wasn't the truth. Moses knew by the very fact that they erected that golden calf that they were not following the God of their forefathers. And Moses threw those tablets on the ground in anger, and he broke them. And, 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 and then he took that golden calf and he had them ground it down into powder and he put it in their water and he made them drink it as a punishment for their disobedience. And 3,000 of the leaders of that group died. The truth about the real God saved them. The worship of a false God condemned them. Listen to what John 17 verse 3 reads. This is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. When I taught at Indiana Wesleyan University, I, I taught several courses on basic faith, basic Christianity. And so often I would have students that embraced what was called universalism. And universalism is that idea, again, of all religions are valid. All religions are equal. All religions are like different pathways up a spiritual mountain. God is at the top of the mountain. And it doesn't matter how you go. It doesn't matter which way you choose. It doesn't matter which path that you make. When you get to the top, you will find God. But oftentimes, we'd have to go back through the very basics of why do we believe in God at all? And then we would have to go through what are the valid reasons to believe in the Bible? And then we would talk about, well, what is the big deal about Jesus anyway? Because what I discovered was even students in a Christian university, that many of them said they were Christians, said it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in your belief. The problem with that is that's just not what the Bible says. And, and yes, you can respect all people of all beliefs, and that's no problem to respect the people but there is a truth, and Jesus said that truth will set you free. And so today, friends, in this day of tolerance and anything goes and, hey, it doesn't really matter. If you really believe that, then you have to say Jesus lied when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you believe that Jesus is just one pathway up the mountain that goes to God, then Jesus wasted his time and effort. Why did he even go to the cross anyway? Why did it matter? I mean. If any one row was just as good as the next, then it didn't matter. And if it's true that there are other ways to salvation other than Jesus Christ, and if all truth is relative, then the missionaries from the Apostle Paul all the way up to today have wasted their time in giving their energy to the gospel, to the far reaches of the world. Because it doesn't matter anyway. But friends, it does matter. And it's so important for us to be sharing that truth with individuals around us. So important to be embodying that truth in our, in our life. So important to be teaching that to the next generation. See, friends, my point is that we can respect all people of all faiths, and we should. But it doesn't diminish the fact that the entire story of the Bible is about how God created us, how God loves us, how God redeems us through Christ, and how he saves us. And when you believe that truth, 
that truth sets you free and that truth saves you. That's the truth. Now, the second thing that I want you to see is that obeying that truth liberates us. Look at John chapter 8, verse 32. Let's read this out loud together. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's read it again. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, the truth sets us free in so many areas of our life. The truth about aerodynamics and jet propulsion have given us the freedom to fly. The truth about germs and viruses have given us the freedom from a lot of diseases. But we are free. Remember that old movie, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, where he played that innocent man who wrongly was convicted of murdering his wife? He escaped incarceration. He spent weeks running from the law, hiding from the federal agents, trying to learn the identity of the real killer. And finally, he finds the identity of the real murderer. And then, once he does, he's a free man, no longer enslaved by false accusations. The truth set him free. Now, the truth sets us free. The gospel of Christ sets us free spiritually. We are free from guilt. Here's what the Bible says. I'm pure and without sin. I'm clean and free from guilt. All of us have the opportunity when we come to Christ to not carry those past burdens, those past regrets, those past failures. Because why? Because Christ is no longer condemning us. Though our sins be as scarlet, they are white as snow. We are free from guilt. You don't have to carry your past any longer. You are also free from the consequences of sin. What I mean by that is that when you choose to live a lifestyle that says, I want to live as holy as possible, that you avoid so many of those dark paths, some of those areas that we all have fallen into from time to time. I found a, a, a video testimony of a kid named Ricky that I want you guys to watch as he tells his story. Check this out. So my teacher, he was really strong on the Bible not being able to be proven. And basically what he was saying was, oh, it's incredible. It's like it's not credible. It's basically a bunch of lies. So I started thinking that. And since I really didn't have that strong of a foundation, like, I bought into that. I started to distance myself from going to church and just distancing myself from, like, calling myself a Christian. And it was really, really subtle. Like, I didn't even notice it was happening as it was going on until, like, I was already over the edge, and it was like, oh, yeah, I'm not that anymore. I started to think, okay, well, maybe I have all the answers, so I'm thinking I can find the truth in my own intellect and what I can think of and what I can come up with. It was like every part of my character was just negatively affected. And so I started hanging out with these two kids, and we get in a lot of trouble. we like, steal stuff from stores, and we'd be, like, smoking and skipping school, just basically everything that you shouldn't do. And then we decided that it would be a good idea to like play with like alcohol and fire like rubbing alcohol and fire like like i guess the bottle spilled on his bed and we didn't know it so when we like we like lit the flame and we lit it too close to the comforter like it just caught on fire so we're trying to pat it out but i guess it's like rubbing alcohol so you need to put something on it so it wouldn't go out so it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so we had to run to his parents when we're like hey get out get out the rooms on fire and we all got out and then the house was basically just went up in flames and like I'm terrified, so I'm just like, God, if you just get me out of this moment, please. Like I don't, I don't know what's going on. We was trouble with the police. Me, uh, basically, almost going to jail for arson. I mean, they didn't press charges because all three of us were involved. So, and then along with that, it's just like I, I don't, I don't need to be here. Like this isn't who I am. 
like, why am I even here? And it's like, I'm thinking about, like, my cousins and, like, the people that are looking up to me. And it's like, Ricky, like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here? That was when I kind of made the decision that as soon as I get home, I'm, like, I'm giving my life back to Christ and, like, I'm getting baptized and, like, I'm changing because whoever I've been living, like, that's not who I'm supposed to be. I went to the camp, I got baptized, and, like, I really, really changed. Like, it was just that whole experience that really, really changed me and kind of, like, it was kind of like that switch, you know, my whole life just turned all the way around. So I knew I had to kind of stop hanging out with those friends because I knew that if I stayed with them and I went back home and I just started hanging out with them as normal, I would have got sucked right back into the life that I just came out of. So I was like, nope, I'm not even going to risk that. Like what I have right now is too good. I'm not going to just put that up. So that whole experience taught me that my life on, if I'm basing my life on the world and what I think, those things are faulty and they can change in a matter of seconds. But when you base like your whole life on, on Jesus and what he tells me, that truth isn't going to change. It's not going to go anywhere. So I can be confident in that. Ricky speaks so much truth there, doesn't he? And realized how it happened for him. When he first talks about the foundation being destroyed, when he first talks about that slow fade that happened, his professor, his teacher started to undermine biblical truth. He began to think about his own truth. He began to think about maybe he could be kind of the master of his own destiny in that way, that God didn't matter. That lead, led then to bad behavior. That then led to consequences. And did you hear the freedom and see the look in his eyes when he realized what truth is and what truth means and now the freedom that he lives in? You see, friends, when you live in the truth of Christ, it liberates you. There's freedom with that. 1 John chapter 5 says, This is love for God, that we obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. There's no weight in following the, the, the commands of Christ. You are free. If we were to drive today from here to Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> well, you'd probably take 71 North. And if you drove on 71 North, there's all kinds of rules there, by the way. No pedestrians, no bicycles, no non-motorized traffic, no hitchhiking. Keep right except the pass. No crossing the median. No stopping except for emergencies. No going faster than 65 or maybe 70 in some places. And yet with all those rules, we have taken that route and we take it over and over again because we have learned that it's the fastest, safest route to our destination. Now, some people might argue, yeah, but there are so many rules, it's so burdensome. I mean, all that stuff you got to follow, how are you going to keep all that in mind? But friends, when you follow the rules and you stay within those guardrails, then there is freedom to be able to flow and to be able to go where you need to, to go. And that's the way it is with Christ. When we teach our children, when we teach the next generation what the guardrails are, what truth is, then they're able to freely go to their goals, live in their purpose, be who God wants them to be. Obedience to the truth liberates us, but disobedience to the truth eventually enslaves and kills. James chapter 1, verse 25 says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he has done. Looking into the Word of God, understanding what it is for our lives, you will be blessed in what you do. Belief in truth saves us. Obedience to the truth frees us. 
And finally, tr trusting in the truth secures us. Look along, look along with me at Psalm 19, verse 7 and following. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, more, pure, more than pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. That is the word of God. It is perfect. It revives our soul. When you read the word of God, it, it, it provides stability for you. It secures you. It gives you consistency in your life. And, and listen, parents, I want to tell you that when you provide your kids that kind, of, that kind of truth, it provides security for them. Knowing the boundaries, knowing what is right, knowing what is wrong, understanding that provides children the security that they need. So many times parents think, oh, let's just be tolerant with our kids. Let's just say, hey, anything goes with our kids. Hey, let's not put additional pressure on them. I mean, let's, let's just not worry about that stuff. But I don't know, for me, when I grew up, I found a lot of security in the fact that my parents understood what was right and wrong. They taught us. Church was a value to them. And, and a lot of parents today say, well, I don't want to force my kids to go to church. I want to give them a choice. My parents gave me a choice too. You could either walk to church or you can ride to church, either one. You just choose which one you want to do. And since it was like five or six miles, I generally chose to ride with them. And, and what did that do for me? The church was never a burden. The church was a blessing. The people in the church were a joy, not a burden. And we were able to see the church family as something that united us and kept us together, kept us grounded. I'm so thankful for that background. And you're providing that background to your children. You're telling your children, your grandchildren, hey, there's a God that loves you, Jesus Christ that gave his life for you. We love the church. We love the mission. We're supportive of what's happening. We want to be there because it's God's family and we want to be a part of it. Teach them what the Bible says, right and wrong. And when you do that, it provides security for them. If there's an anything goes mentality, then nothing matters. Then what happens is the child finds themselves wavering all over. There is no security in that. So I just believe that knowing the truth of the Bible helps to secure our family. It also does help to secure our government. I don't need to tell you how much uncertainty and distrust there is today. In our government, there's so much distrust today on both sides. But, but I, again, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that the foundation of understanding that what we have in, in America provides, like John Adams said, our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. That means that, that we as people, as religious people, as moral people, need to be, need to be praying. For our leaders. We need to be praying for wisdom for our leaders. We need to be praying for integrity for our leaders. But we also need to understand that our hope is not found in the White House. Our hope is found in God's house. It's found in God's word. It's found in what God says. And that's why we continue to pray. I love what Abraham Lincoln one time said. He said, it's the duty of nations as well as of men to own their independence upon the overruling power of God. 
and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scripture and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And those foundational principles and us praying for our leaders, the, really we've given that Second Chronicles verse before, when we humble ourselves and we turn our face away from our wicked ways and toward God, God heals our land. And so we pray for that. The truth of God also, I think, brings security to our educational systems. I, our teachers here, we have some great teachers in our church, and we're going to be praying for those teachers. They have a tough job today, tougher than ever. When I was a kid, if I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. Was it like that with you guys? If I got Back in my day, we got a whipping at school. That's the truth. The Board of Education, amen. And uh, I met that board several times. That is no lie. I did. Seventh grade, more than once, Mrs. Basil ran down the hallway, and that was her method. She didn't swat. She ran and gave a drive-by paddling. She gave a run-by paddling. And uh, Mr. Bayless, in eighth grade, history teacher, right in front of all of my fellow classmates uh, and uh, those who were at the cafeteria, upon which I screamed at the top of my lungs just because I thought that would be fun. It ended up not being that fun uh, because then it happened again. Bottom line is, when that happened at, at school, when I got home, my mom and dad's rule was, if you get paddled at school, you're going to get the same thing at home because you should have never been in that situation. You should have never put yourself in that situation. Well, I'm not going to argue the merits of paddling versus not paddling, but I do want to say that we need to be, uh, in, the, in this day, it is tough for our teachers to kind of work through because today when they send a note home or a school, a kid gets in trouble, oftentimes the parent calls the teacher to ball out the teacher for the bad behavior of the student. And that's why we need to be praying for our teachers. In the midst of an environment where they aren't able to talk about the Bible or spiritual truth or these kind of things, I've heard from one of our teachers recently that she's considering not being a teacher any longer because there's so many restrictions on what she can do or not do and how she can handle situations. So we need to be praying for our teachers as well. Bathe them in prayer. Pray that God would lead them and give them wisdom as they lead our children. It's so difficult today to do that. But let's pray for them. God's truth, I think, also brings security and stability to the church. You, you all know, and I've talked about in the last couple weeks, that, that there are so many churches that are struggling with truth. Is the Bible true? Is it not true? Is hell reality or is it not reality? And one of the foundation, foundational principles of Access Church from the very beginning has been that we'll uphold the Bible as truth. That what God's Word says, how did we ever become so enlightened that suddenly we could say after 2,000 years plus of biblical history, we can suddenly say we know better than even Jesus Christ himself who oftentimes quoted the Old Testament passages, who never undermined that. Or Paul who said to Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed. And so we uphold the Bible. And we say, what does the Bible say about that issue? Whatever that is, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about. And I just have this belief that when we do that, it offers stability to the church. We're grounded in the Word of God. That's why when we teach, we don't teach my opinion or Josh's opinion or Mark's opinion or Andrew's opinion. We just simply say, what does the Bible say about that? 
and, and, and Josh and I have talked a lot about recently, we try to just keep Sunday morning sacred. How do we just focus on the Word of God and say, what does the Bible say? And let's teach that. And so, so many times we'll teach through books of the Bible. We'll go verse by verse to the Bible. And some people say, oh, that's so boring. Why can't you guys do more topical stuff? Why can't you guys just give more opinion stuff? Well, we think the Word of God and Christ is what unites us. It's what brings us together. And I, that's one of the reasons I love the church. Some of you, when you come in here, just look around. We are different. In our church, we have factory workers, young people, old people, people who come from no Christian background at all, pagan background, people who came from Christian homes, people who have PhDs, people who never graduated from high school, Democrats, Republicans, doctors, ditch diggers, Steelers fans, and normal people. We have all kinds of people in our church. But listen, I, I want to continue to say, let's continue to expand that. Continue to look for ways to build bridges. And when we come together, we're not divided on the issues that divide us. We're together on the issues that unite us. And that's what brings us back to this place again and again and again. The most important issue of all of our lives is this that Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is our salvation. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That's why, as Paul writes, we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so we come together on the Bible in a spirit and unity and bond of peace that says, let's keep the church growing and united. Let's not compromise the truth or water it down. Let's stay focused on what God's word says. We are one body, one spirit. The truth of God unites us. And as 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says, Now that you have purified yourself by what? By obeying the truth. You have a sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ frees. Jesus Christ satisfies. And Jesus Christ secures. And so in this day, when there are all kinds of attacks on truth, I want to encourage us as a church to remember that as we used to sing, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. There are a lot of attacks on the truth. But we would do well to remember the words of Jesus, that in His truth, believing Jesus' truth, that truth will set us free. God, we give you thanks today for loving us. We give you thanks for the Word of God. And Lord, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But God, we come together on the Bible. And we say, what does the Bible say about this topic, about that issue? What does the Bible say, God, about loving one another, about sharing the gospel, about Jesus' death on the cross, about the redemptive story of Christ. God, on these things, we say we come together as a people to raise our children, to love one another, to serve our neighbor, to love our enemy, to do the things that Jesus talked about so that the world will know that we believe. And so, God, today, in this age where so much 
is up in the air. It's easy to find ways, God, to to be divided, even, even today, politically. But God, I pray that rather than seeking division, we would, we would pray. Pray for our leaders. God, so many times around our table, we pray for our leaders. Give them wisdom, God. Give them humility, God. Help them lead well. God, we pray for that. We pray, God, for that foundation. We pray that as a country, that we would, we would turn our face back toward God. And God, I don't know what that will take. Some believe maybe it would be a pandemic that would cause a return to God. And in some areas, that's the truth. That's happening. But God, we continue to pray for that. There be a return. There be a return to the foundation of truth, God. That God loves us. That God gave his life for us. And God, we pray for that. But God, if that doesn't happen, we pray as believers in Jesus that we would be faithful to you. That we'd be people that believe the truth of God. And that we give that truth to as many people as possible for as long as we're here on this earth. God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you saved us. And we pray that in the best of our ability that we're able to give that to the next generation as well. And God, we pray for that in the name of Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith.